As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. It took away the stress, the uncertainty of it. It's been, like I mentioned, the perfect hedge against a career in any volatile or uncertain industry. And it seems like every industry nowadays is uncertain. Best ever listeners, I'm so excited to share today's sponsor with you. It's Eastern Union Funding and Arbor Realty Trust. If you're in the multifamily space, you likely recognize these names, but have you used them? Uh, I'm guessing if you haven't, then you probably know someone who has. I can tell you personally, we have used uh, Mark Belsky. He is a point person at Eastern Union Funding as a partner with us, and he has helped us secure debt uh, for actually a deal we closed on this month. And we've worked with him. Um, in addition, my clients, my program, my consulting program have worked with him to successfully close on deals. When we were starting out, Ashcroft was starting out, we had somewhat of a track record, but we weren't fully as established with our investor network. I went to him and we secured some equity, $500,000 in equity to fund one of our deals. While he works with more institutional partners, He's brought $200 million in equity over the last 12 months. He was able to help us out there, and we've built a relationship with him and Eastern Union Funding ever since. So if you need equity for your deal and you have a track record, then he's your point person. His number is 212-897-9875. If you need debt, then he partners up with Arbor on a lot of transactions. So if you're a multifamily borrower who wants agency or bridge debt, then that's the team to work with. Uh, We have worked with their team, both Eastern Union and Arbor, on deals. And people who have purchased our deals, purchased deals from us, have used Arbor, as well as my clients in my consulting program, they've used it. So this is a recommendation that comes from firsthand experience. And the last thing I'll say about uh, working with Mark Belsky at Eastern Union is that if you need a loan guarantor, but don't have that track record quite yet, then Mark can look at what you've, the deal you've got And assuming it checks out, he can make introductions to people he knows as potential loan guarantors for your deal. So debt, equity, and potentially loan guarantors. Uh, All you need, well, you need to find a deal, obviously. Um, But besides that, you know, the other main components of the deal they can help you out with. 
to talk to Mark Belsky. His email is mbelsky at easterneq.com and his phone number 212-897-9875. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Mark Henteman. How you doing, Mark? Great. How about yourself? I'm doing great and nice to have you on the show. A little bit about Mark. He is a writer, producer, actor in TV and film. He was a part of the team that launched The Family Guy. He's also been a real estate investor for 17 years, focused on multifamily. His focus is on value add, and we're going to talk more about that based in Los Angeles. So with that being said, Mark, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure. I'm originally from Ohio, I think where you're from as well, or you're living there now. I started as a greeting card writer and illustrator at American Greetings in Cleveland, and then moved into late night comedy with writing for David Letterman, then moved out to LA and got hooked up with a brand new show called Family Guy back in 1999. And it was through that, after my first couple scripts payments where I had a little bit of money saved up, I was trying to move out of my one bedroom apartment and got talked into buying something. And that got me into real estate. Who talked you into it? It was completely by accident. I'm an accidental real estate investor. I was looking to move into a new apartment, but I think across the street from the apartment building I was looking at was an open house. And the broker there said, why are you throwing your money away on rent when you could own something? And my knee jerk response was, I'm in the entertainment industry. You think I want to be saddled with the responsibility of a mortgage, my show could be canceled tomorrow and I could be out of work for a couple of years. And I was on Family Guy and we didn't even know if it would make it through the first season. Mm -hmm. So that's what you said. And then did that broker convince you or? You know, our conversation was, she gave me some good reasons why I should invest and build a nest egg and some passive income. And I said, all right, look, the only way I'm going to invest in anything is it would have to be the best investment I have ever made. Like, don't show me any pretty house. <laughs> show me something that's a dump and that is undervalued and that will provide me with some kind of financial cushion. And so we parted ways. I figured I'd never hear from her again, but she called me a couple of weeks later and she said, I found the investment property that you need to buy. The trick is you have to become a landlord. And my reaction was like, a landlord? I don't want to be a landlord. But I met her there and it was kind of a dilapidated duplex in Hollywood. And it had goats and chickens being raised in the backyard. The, the sellers were moving to Kansas to live off the grid and they were digging an underground house. So they were kind of eccentric. Oh, yeah. But I could see the potential in it. It was one of those like 1920s buildings that had great original features to it. Not a ton had been done, but it just needed a ton of cosmetic work. But I decided to take the plunge. And I was like, all right, I held my breath, jumped in. Of course, it was LA. So there was 15 other bidders on this thing. And it began this roller coaster ride of increasing our price almost daily. And I had offered $350,000 as my initial offer. And after two weeks, the realtor was like, you are in the top two. If you go to 435, it's yours. And it was traumatic. It was nerve wracking. I couldn't sleep, but I pulled the trigger and got it and immediately had huge buyer's remorse. I thought I had just made the biggest mistake of my life. 
but I tried to embrace it and jumped in and tried to become a landlord. My first tenant was a guy named Mike Henry, who works on Family Guy, and he does the role of Cleveland and Herbert and Consuela, if people have watched the show. And I got in and tried to learn how to become a landlord. He was a good test <laughs> as a tenant, but it was fun. I did the fix-up and agonized over it and owned the duplex for about five years and sold it. And I attribute this 100% to luck, but I was riding a rising tide in the market in the early 2000s. And ironically, I thought the market was already too hot when I got in, but I got out at 2005 and made a great profit. I think I sold it for 1.27 million and I bought it for 435. That's pretty good profit. Absolutely. How much you put into it? I put in 43,000. I did the 10% down as a first time buyer. Looking back, I would have done one of those FHA loans where you can get even lower. I like leverage. Leverage seems to equate to better returns as I look back on all my investments. Now, fast forwarding to today, what's your portfolio look like and where's your focus? Well, after that experience, I was hooked. I fell in love with real estate as I was doing this. It was a little trying and I had to get over the bumps and learn a lot about it. But I had decided that this is something that I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And I started to collect buildings. Right now I have about 140 units, all multifamily, all in Los Angeles. And you've been investing in your backyard. Why LA versus Kansas or somewhere else? Well, I think I want to move outside of LA and I have looked at things. I got in a bidding on an 82 unit building in Cleveland a couple months ago, and I was really excited. The fundamentals of that building were so good, but there was eight other buyers and I think I was second or something like that. I got, I got outbid. You got to tell them you'll write them into an episode of the family guy or something. (laughs) Right. I got to use some other angle to get in there. But I'm looking in Salt Lake City. There are cities that I like. But yes, I got to get out of my backyard and I will. But so far, LA is an interesting market. It's a vibrant economy. It's so diverse. It feels to me like there's 120 pockets of LA. And I know them. I drive them. So I know street by street. And in my experience, and even as LA gets heated up as it has been, I can see, at least I fancy myself as being able to see some neighborhoods that I know are inevitably going to improve just by their proximity to massive development, by their proximity to downtown, which is exploding, and they're still very affordable. So I have that knowledge of LA that I don't have at any other city, which has allowed me to continue to find deals in a complex market, even with thousands of other investors competing with me. Oh, yeah. And I'm looking forward to talking to you about your approach because I don't interview a whole lot of investors who live in LA and actively acquire a portfolio of multifamily properties in LA. What was the last property you bought? The last property I bought was a 36-unit building, and it was in an area called Westlake in LA, which is an area that I like a lot. Like I said, it's really close to downtown. It was kind of an interesting scenario. I do this search. My approach 
is I get a ton of deals emailed to me almost annoyingly on my email every day. And anything that's interesting, I throw into a folder, but then I'll just go on searches of my own and I'll apply a filter. I like cost per square foot. I think it's a great basic metric. Metrics are, you have a lot of them to kind of process and synthesize as you look at a property and you try to weight some more than let others and you never get everything you want. Sometimes you get a great cap rate, but the cost per square foot is really high. And I, I like cost per square foot. It's straightforward. It's honest. It tells you what the asset is worth. So I, I look for that. I'll even go on something like LoopNet and do a filter on there's 20,000 buildings for sale at any given time in LA. I'll put a filter on for a really kind of obscenely low cost per square foot. And this is how I found this building in Westlake, this last 36 unit building. I think I put $210 a square foot or less to give you some perspective in LA price per square foot can go up to seven or $800 per square foot. I think the average is maybe high threes to mid fours. And I found a building as usual, my search for cost per square foot resulted in maybe 15, 20 buildings. I eliminated 12 of them. How come? Based on what? You know, I know the neighborhood. I could look at the building and see, all right, that's in a rough pocket. That building looks terrible. Kind of analyze why it's priced so low. And oftentimes there's a good reason why it's priced so low. But there's always anomalies where there's buildings that are priced low. And maybe it's for some other reason that's not evident on the setup. And occasionally some of those are in those early stage up and coming markets. And this one fit that profile. And I happened to know the broker. I had done some deals with him and I called him and I said, Hey, this looks interesting. What's the situation? And he said, is your friend, take my advice, run the other way. And I was like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? And he's like, this is our third escrow and it's just about to fall out of in this buyer is going to back out. There's three lawsuits against the sellers and it's all tenant lawsuits over issues with the buildings. There are these predator law firms that all they do is look for vulnerable landlords and they found this team. This was a, I think a partnership that was running. They said it might've even been a syndication. And he said, they're trying to manage it themselves. It's 36 units and they're not addressing things. And this quote unquote predatory law firm has found a gold mine in this building and they just keep issuing lawsuit after lawsuit and they've won the first couple. So they're emboldened. And I was fascinated by this. And I was just thinking, I was like, well, he's not going to be able to sell and pass on his legal liability to anyone else. And he was like, yeah, no, you're right. And I was like, I'm interested in this. And I said, keep me in mind. Let me know if this seller backs out. So I went immediately, called my lawyer. I said, hey, can I do this? And I told him the situation. And the, my lawyer was like, yeah, you could absolutely do this. He's a multifamily investor as well. Mm -hmm. He said, you need an indemnification agreement and I'll look at it. I'll make sure it's bulletproof. And I called my insurance agent and I said, how can I protect myself? He said, you've already got an umbrella policy. You've already got liability. We'll just boost your amounts on this and, and we'll be prepared if you end up in that situation. And I called my property manager. There are multifamily investors too. And I said, do you think I could do this? This is the situation. And they said, yeah, absolutely. We've bought these types of buildings. They've been in business for like 50 years. Mm -hmm. These are good opportunities. And they said, this is how you do it. The problem is, is the current owner is trying to manage it themselves and they're exposing themselves to obviously the litigation that is 
happening. He said, on day one, we send out an email to all the tenants saying all issues have to be submitted by email in writing and we'll address everything. And he said, once you have a paper trail, that's your defense against these lawsuits. And he said, there are those law firms out there that smell blood with these buildings. But he said, if you just dot your I's and cross your T's, they're going to realize that you're not a good target for them. They're not going to get very far and they're going to move on and look for someone else. So that's what I've done. And I bought that. That was now five or six months ago. And I'm very happy. We've increased the income a lot. I bought it at $178 a square foot. It's probably twice that, I would say, in this area, because this area is getting very hot. So I'm hopeful. (laughs) Mm -hmm. How much was it? What was the total purchase price? The purchase price, I think it was listed at $4,500,000. I bought it for $3,950,000. And it was already well-priced at the $4.5 million. I noticed when you were calling your team, the one team member you didn't mention that you called was your lender. So did you pay all cash or did you have a loan on it? No, I did. Sorry, I skipped them. I called They're not that important, are they? (laughs) No, he's he's great. I kind of use my same loan broker. That's what I've fallen into. He's really good and I've used him a lot. I called him and I said, can I get financing on this? And he said, all right, well, over the years, we've put you with seven different lenders. And he's like, there's this one lender. They're good with these types of properties. They don't have the issues that others do. And he kind of knows all the lenders. He said, let me make some calls. I'll float it by them informally. And he called me back and he said, I think we've got a great chance of getting them to finance this. And ultimately they did. You remember the high level terms of that loan? The high level terms? Yes, it was 25% down, 75% LTV, I think it was maybe a flat. It was either like 3.875 interest or four even. And it was for a five-year fixed. You plan on refinancing it after you get it turned around? I think so. That's kind of what the pattern that I've fallen in with almost all of my buildings is I like five-year fixeds. And maybe I'll fine tune my process at some point where I go in and kind of working on this now. And I don't know if other people have done this, but I now have enough buildings, enough equity across my primary residence. I have a second home that I'm looking into getting an equity line that is substantial. I currently have one that goes up to like, I think 1.2 million, but I would love the ability to close with an equity line do value add, and then put on longer term financing. Thus far, I've always bought with long-term financing upfront, done my value add, and after five years, I'll either refinance and pull cash out to buy a new building, or if it's a smaller building, I'll sell 1031 and get into the larger unit mix. Once you close on the property, you've got all the team members in place. What was your primary focus to make sure that everything was headed in the right direction? Well, with this specific building, I was calling my property management company almost every day because I know they have a lot of buildings that they're managing. And I said, remember, this building has issues. Through the broker, I said, hey, do you think I can talk to the seller or his team and 
I was able to do that. And I talked to their asset manager. I said, what's the deal? What was happening there? And she was very helpful and honest. And she's like, we made some mistakes, but what had happened is that this law firm was using one or two people in the building as their point people, and they were getting them to rally the other tenants and get them to participate in these lawsuits. She said, if you can buy out these tenants or get them to move out, obviously LA has rent control and restrictions. So she said, if you can find a way to get them out of the building, I think you'll solve 90% of your problem. So that became a focus. One of them just stunningly (laughs) and pleasantly surprised moved out on their own. Then the other one, it took about five months. I think we bought them out. It wasn't a huge amount of money, but I was relieved to have that happen. And since then, I monitor that building. I said, if I ever get a notice of like a, a notice to comply that comes from the city, I call them immediately. I said, what is this? This needs to get corrected immediately. So just kind of staying on top of it. This deal seemed like quite the challenging deal, especially for your team. Has there been another deal that was equally challenging? If I go through my history, equally challenging. That first duplex I bought felt that challenging just because it was new. But uh, in 2008, I thought the market was really heated in 2004. I actually thought it was too heated in 2000 when I bought my duplex, but I was brand new, naive, and I didn't know much. But as the mid-2000s progressed and 2004, 5, 6, every year we were setting new records for building values And I was like, oh God, I don't know if I should stay in or get out. And I was being very cautious. And in 2008, I bought a building and I convinced some of my co-writers and family guy to go in it with me. I was like, you guys got to get into real estate investing. And I'll tell that to anybody, whatever your job is, start building that passive income. It's been the most amazing hedge against a career in the entertainment industry and a way to build wealth that makes you just feel a lot more secure as you're going through any kind of like, particularly in my instance of volatile industry. So I brought these people on in 2008. While we were in escrow, right after we removed contingencies, Lehman Brothers crashed and the whole economy collapsed. I was like, oh, oh no. (laughs) No. Right when I bring these smart ass friends of mine that I see every day into this thing, after evangelizing to them about real estate, I'm going to lose their money. So that was trying, but you know- Did you close? I did close. I had removed contingencies and this building was distressed. I had this, uh, and not to go off on a sidetrack, but in an early stage of a market boom, I tend to buy more premium assets. It's the only time I'll ever go for B plus, A minus properties. But as a- boom market matures and gets late in its stage, I get cheap. I just go for the cheapest buildings because I just want to be protected. I imagine that the world is going to collapse. There's going to be a collapse, or not a collapse, but any kind of correction. In mid-2000s, when I saw the mortgage issues that were going on, I thought it could be severe. So I bought in a working class neighborhood, a very bread and butter building that was mismanaged This was the only other time I bought from sellers that were suing each other, but these sellers were suing each other. So there was a lot of things. There was a great value add opportunity. So I closed. Long story short, I closed despite the circumstances. And I'm sure that value declined, but we just kind of wrote it out. I 
did not see a huge fluctuation or drop in rents that we were receiving. I think it was because we were that kind of middle of the road, very working class. Their incomes hadn't spiked during the boom. And they were kind of, in, I think the profile of the tenants is they were in industries that impacted is strongly by the recession. So we so wrote held, it up. You held on to it and you still have it today? I sold it in 2015. And thank God I gave my partners triple return what they had invested. And I was happily sent them an email with the stock market performance during the dates that we owned it. And I think the stock market <laughs> 48% and I gave them a 199% return. What's your best real estate investing advice ever? I think from my perspective, I have a job that I like. I love it. I'm still doing what I want to do, but man, investing in real estate made my job so much more fun because it took away the anxiety. It took away the stress, the uncertainty of it. It's been, like I mentioned, the perfect hedge against a career in any volatile or uncertain industry. And it seems like every industry nowadays is uncertain. The economy is changing. Technology is changing things so rapidly that I would advise anybody as early as you can start investing passively. And if they're not inclined to roll their sleeves up and manage these properties themselves, they could become a passive investor with someone like yourself. As I do, I wanted to participate in the Texas market. So I'm excited about that to be working with you. But yeah, get in the game, but be careful right now. There is going to be some kind of correction. I don't know when, nobody knows when, but the cycles are pretty predictable. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Do you need debt for your deal, equity for your deal, or maybe a loan guarantor to help you get qualified for the financing? Talk to Mark Belsky. His number is 212-897-9875. That's 212-897-9875. His email is m b e l s k y at easterneq.com. Do you buy property worth over a million dollars? And are you missing huge income tax benefits? Cost segregation is one of the methods I use myself to lower taxes on our properties and increase the cash flow. Call Yona Wise with Madison Specs at 732-333-1477. Best ever book you've read recently? Best ever book recently, Sapiens by uh, Noah Yuval Harari. I don't know if you've heard of it, but he's like a, a scientist and, and he kind of explores where the human race has come from and where it's going. And in the process gets into everything like economics and religion and all aspects of society. And it's really fascinating. It's one of those rare books where it's relentlessly thought provoking and mind-blowing, like on every couple pages, I'd have to stop and be like, wow, I can't believe that. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? The big mistake was the story I just told is don't go into escrow. I can identify a mistake that I made in that transaction is, and it might be familiar in this day and age, is I had started to pull back from my investing in maybe 2006 and I watched the market continue to set new records in seven and eight. I had some money and I was like, I got to get back in. I wish there was a small correction so that I could jump in, buy on a correction, and then 
enjoy at a discount and then ride the market as it continues to go upward, which it had been doing for 10 years and you're starting to get numb to it. You thought it was going to go on forever. So when the market had a little dip in early 2008, I got excited. It dropped 10%. I'm like, this is the time to get in. And that's where I jumped in on this building. However, I think that would happen to a lot of people that were waiting and they were trying to be patient, but the market just kept going up year after year after year in the mid 2000s. And my mistake to summarize is I mistook what I thought was a temporary small correction on what would continue to be an upward climb. I was at the tip of the waterfall and it was going to go down. So I think that's a tempting thing to do for a lot of people in a market like there is today where just prices have been going up. I guess the silver lining is I'm thrilled that what I did buy, it had solid fundamentals. So keep that in mind. <laughs> and how can the best ever listeners either get in touch with you or learn more about what you got going on? They're welcome to email me. It's my full name, Mark Henteman at me.com. If they want to reach out, I love talking to other investors. If they're local and I have the time, I'll meet up with them. I'm in joke writing comedy world all day. So I love interacting with real estate investors. And adults, <laughs> and doing, adults. having adult conversation. <laughs> exactly. People that could talk finances. Right, right. Well, Mark, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for talking about how you got started. And I'm glad I asked about the last deal, that 36 units, really interesting. And a lot of lessons learned on that, as well as the type of team members that you brought in, made sure that they were on the same page prior to you entering into the fray. And the 2008 property, you bought it at the exact wrong time, but you weren't forced to sell. Therefore, you did pretty darn well with you and your investors, almost a 200% return to the people who you're partnering with. So that's a good lesson, especially for anyone now who's buying and they're anticipating a correction, which I believe they should, buying the right way, buying for cash flow, buying with debt that is long-term and having adequate cash reserves so that you can ride out any type of storm that might come your way. So thanks again for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. This was great. I really appreciate it. Do you buy property worth over a million dollars and are you missing huge income tax benefits? Cost segregation is one of the methods I use myself to lower taxes on our properties and increase the cash flow. Call Yona Wise with Madison Specs at 732-333-1477.